There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Run Your Money. Today on the show, we're talking about how and when to do money mindset work. I'm Bronica Grant, your host and personal finance consultant. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I hope that you are enjoying my series on money manifesting and mindset and kind of thinking about how to make more money in 2024, if that's your goal or desire, without falling prey to some of the more bogus things that you might find across the internet. And today on the show, I'm going to talk about when there might be a time and place for money mindset. One thing that you will learn listening to this podcast episode, in case you're not familiar with me, is that few things are black and white. Now, of course, being in the money world, as opposed to my previous world of relationships and dating, there are probably some more black and white things. Bad interest rates and a savings account is always going to be bad. (laughs) However, there still is always going to be room for nuance and gray area. And often my answer to questions is always, well, it depends, it depends, it depends, because it really does depend on what your financial situation is, what your resources are, what's your goal. Just one example is that an emergency fund is more or less important depending on the field and the kind of job that you have. Now, most people will need some sort of emergency fund because you want it to keep you out of credit card debt. If you have a flat tire and you don't have 500 bucks in your bank account to fix your tires, then you're going to go into credit card debt and that's a big problem. So you want an emergency fund. However, if you're in a career that's very volatile where you might get laid off or the chances are higher than average, you could say, then you really want to have a well-padded emergency fund or at least as much as you can. If you work for yourself, you probably want a well-padded emergency fund. However, my husband works for the government, and that's a pretty safe job. It would take a lot for him to get fired, and if he were to get quote-unquote laid off, he would basically have to get bought out. 
So we don't necessarily need to have a really well padded emergency fund to account for his income. Now for my income being an entrepreneur, yes, I definitely always needed a well padded emergency fund to meet my end of the you know, household bargain in terms of how we divide our expenses. Now, this episode is not about emergency funds. I'm just using that as an example in that there is always gray area, even when it feels like it's a pretty black and white or standard piece of advice. It's still almost always going to depend. Now, today on the show, we're talking about when there is a time and place to do money mindset work. I do think there is a time and place And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And I'm also going to share with you two things that I think you can do to improve your money mindset, especially if you are hoping to improve your bottom line, whether you work for yourself or you are in traditional employment. It'll be super helpful for you. Before we get there, as always, a little bit of housekeeping. The first piece of big news is that I'm on Substack now, which I'm super excited about and I'm really loving. Now, if you listen to this podcast and or if you're on my newsletter, nothing really is going to change for you. You're still going to get weekly newsletters from me. Podcasts will still arrive on this feed wherever you're listening to this show. I now offer just a few extras through Substack. Number one, if you want to get these episodes ad-free, I am releasing ad-free episodes to paid subscribers on my Substack. And as you know, on Fridays, I used to do a single short and sweet Q&A episode. And now what I'm doing is I am going to answer three to four questions in one episode. Those are just going to be rolled into one episode at the end of the month. And that's only going to be available for paid subscribers. And then if you join me at the founding member rate, you'll also get a run your money session with me where we can you know, work on whatever you want, whether it's getting an investing plan together, a debt payoff plan, a budgeting plan, whatever it is. The paid subscribers on my Substack is $7 a month. And seriously, I'm not going to like sell you on it. No pressure. It's there if you want it. And even if you decide not to and you're listening here, that still helps me to keep this show growing and sustainable while I'm in my accounting program. So again, as always, no matter what you decide to do, thank you so much for being here. All right, so let's get to my episode about when and how to do money mindset work. And what I want to actually do is talk a little bit about my experience with mindset work. I'm not a therapist. And so while I do want to talk about mindset here, I really want to stay in my lane. I don't want to get too into the therapy lane because I just don't think that's super ethical of me to do. So when I talk about my experience, it's really just here's my experience with my mindset work. And I think there's things that you can learn from it. So that's why I'm going to talk a little bit about how I have related to my money mindset and what I've done and what I've seen and the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess you could say. The first thing is I never even heard of the concept of money mindset work until I got into having my own business and specifically not just having my own business, but having a personal development-based business, a life coaching business. Now, it could just be because of the world that I got myself into that I then stumbled upon money mindset work, but it also could have just been I started my business with the rise of Instagram and influencers and personal development being like kind of pop-cultured. It could just be that because I got into my business at the same time that those kinds of things became popular, it just made sense that money mindset kind of became more of a thing. And 
The first couple years of my business, I'm not going to lie, were a little rough, you could say. I was not making a lot of money. And looking back, I can look to very practical reasons as to why. Especially that first year, I wasn't really doing the things that I needed to be doing to make money. I was scared to put myself out there and to share my expertise and to share what I offer and how that could help people. Instead, I was tinkering on my website and changing colors and fonts and redoing copy over and over and over and over again. I was so busy that first year, I have no idea what I was doing, but I literally had one client. So I shouldn't have been as busy as I was, but I was. I won't go into this whole story of what happened because that's not really the point of this episode. But what I will say is that a couple years into my business, things were beginning to pick up and move along, but I really wasn't where I wanted to be. And I was still a little bit stressed on how much my business, you could say, was not paying me. So my friend and I decided to do a money mindset course through Denise Duffield Thomas. I did her money boot camp. And at the time, it was far less than what it is now. And it was the first time I ever experienced money mindset work or this whole idea of money mindset or manifesting and law of attraction. I had never, ever in my life heard of that stuff before. I've attracted my revenue and expenses since day one of my business. And you can look, when I did her program, it took me about a month or two to go through. There was just a huge upswing in revenue. So I can't say that either that program, quote unquote, didn't work or that money mindset is completely useless. Because what I did learn going through that program was that I really did have a confidence issue around asking for money for my services, for my expertise, and for my time. I felt bad. I felt wrong. I felt like money was like this dirty thing. And I wish I could have just done this work for free. But of course, like I still needed to pay my bills and all those things. And if I wasn't making any money in my business, then I was going to have to go find a job, in which case I would not be available at all for my services paid or free, like through my podcast and blog and Instagram at the time. And so I really developed this healthier relationship with money in that it's an energy exchange where I give something of value to a client and they give something of value to me. And that value, at least on my receiving end, is money. And that allows me to keep my business going and allows me to also pay my bills and all the things. But here's where I think things fell apart for me. I saw what happened to my revenue after I did all of this money mindset. And I was like, wow, My revenue has doubled in the past six months. What if I kept doing this program over and over and over again and every time it doubled? You probably already know where this is going without even me saying anything else. But at the time, I really believed like the money mindset was like the missing piece. It was the silver bullet, so to speak. And I just needed to double down and go deeper and go harder into it and find yet another block and uncover this and go to my next level and blah, 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 blah. I just needed to keep doing that. And then every single time my income would double. So sure enough, I would start the program again. I would start with exercise one. I would really like zero in on it and do it to the best of my ability that I could. But my income 
didn't continue to double the way that it doubled the first time. And so instead of thinking to myself, oh, maybe I've done the money mindset work and now there's something else that's the reason why I'm not reaching the income or the revenue that I want, I just doubled down again. Like, okay, well, I guess I need to do it again. I didn't do it good enough. I didn't go deep enough. I didn't find that one block that's in my blind spot or whatever. And so I obsessed and I got to the point where every single morning I had to do my manifestation routine. I had to do my journaling. I had to do my EFT tapping and my visualizations and I draw a card. I really don't remember everything that I did, but it probably took like 30 to 45 minutes. And obviously this is before I had kids. And if there was ever a morning where I didn't feel like doing it, I wanted to sleep in or I just wanted to like just take the day off this massive amount of guilt would consume me because I would think, oh my God, I'm like messing with the manifesting gods. This is not going to work. And then I'm just going to be screwed and I'm going to, you know, die poor, broken, alone or whatever. I mean, really, like it was really dire thoughts that were completely ridiculous. Again, looking back, they were ridiculous, but at the time they felt really real to me. I remember looking at other coaches and business owners who I you know, at least was led to believe they're making hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars or whatever it was, I would think to myself, wow, they must be so evolved. They must have just really gotten into this deep place of inner work. That's all I was able to see. So the next part of the story, the way I'm going to talk about it is it seems that it happened overnight, but it really didn't. It was it was probably like a year long or so process where it's almost kind of like, in some ways, I feel like I was in a cult of money manifesting. Now, I wasn't like part of any one organization or anything, but I've been listening to a lot of cult documentaries on podcasts. And what it seems to me is that it's not like there's just one moment where someone realizes they're in a cult and the next day they're out. It's more of like they realize something is beginning to not add up and they keep seeing like more and more cracks pop up. But then they realize they want to not be in that world anymore, but they don't really know how to get out or how to quote unquote be not in that world. And I feel like that's how I felt with my manifesting and this belief that the more evolved or, you know, clear or whatever, the more my mindset work progressed, the more money I would make. My favorite thing about budgeting is that I can spend a ridiculous amount of money on my sushi habit guilt-free because I know I've allocated other money towards savings and retirement. Ever since Mint closed, I've been looking for a new budgeting home and my search has ended with Brightfin. I love this app because I can easily categorize my expenses by swiping them into a spend, splurge, save, or share bucket. And y'all, the swiping makes it so easy and fast and honestly fun to manage your money. Then I go to my dashboard and I can see exactly where I am with my spending for the month. Brightfin even helps me build my budget by allowing me to select preset budget allocations based on my goals. And obviously, I use the one called the Wealth Builder. Right now, listeners of my podcast can get exclusive access to their beta iOS version and use the app for free. And when the app officially launches later this year, you'll get an exclusive discount as a beta user. To download and start swiping your way to financial savviness, go to brightfin.io. That's B-R-I-G-H-T-F-I-N dot I-O. Happy swiping. 
And then what really just felt gross to me is I would see these people teaching love attraction or money manifesting or money coaching or whatever it was. And basically what they were saying is that, you know, you got to prove to the universe that you're serious, that you want this thing, that you want this business or whatever. So, you know, you got to spend money to make money. And Michelle and I talked about this in the Think and Grow Duped episode. If you haven't listened to that one, I highly, highly recommend. And what I begin to realize is that, oh, you just want me to spend my money on you to prove to the universe. Not that I just need to like, be serious myself about my business and, you know, buy the website or whatever the thing is, but you want me to spend money with you to teach me this thing. Well, of course, then you're going to be manifesting all this money that then you can use as an example to sell back to me. I just really began to see how gross it was and how I just wanted nothing to do with it. So that was several years ago. And since, gosh, I think it was probably about 2019 or so when I had my first podcast episodes where I was saying, hey, this is the law of attraction. This is manifesting and why you might not want to be part of it. And I've been preaching the gospels against it ever since. But look, one thing that I do like about the money manifestors if I'm comparing them to like the finance bros is, you know, the finance bros is like, oh, just negotiate or just like invest your money or like whatever. And it's like, cool, bro. But what they don't account for is the emotion that can be tied up in money. And especially I can only speak as a woman because that's what I am. I think that a lot of women have a lot of complicated emotions tied up in money because we are socialized differently than boys who become men, some of which become these finance bros, who don't understand that it might feel really wrong for you to want more money or to ask for more money at work or to talk about money with a partner or whatever it is because it's not quote unquote appropriate or makes you greedy or bad or whatever the word is that you might use for it. And so I appreciate the money manifestors and the ones teaching law of attraction when it comes to money, because you do have to look at the emotions and the beliefs that you have wrapped up in money. And there's a lot of value in that. However, it's not the end all be all. And as I talked about in the Think and Grow Duped episode with Michelle, there are so many other things that can dictate how successful your quote unquote manifesting is going to be mostly due to race, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status that you're starting at, the timing that you got into various ventures, either in your career or in your business, etc. And no amount of manifesting or law of attraction nonsense can change that. And here is one thing that actually one of my earliest coaches said to me. I told her, I was like, I think I have all of these money blocks and that's why I'm not making the money I want in my business. And she was like, you don't have money blocks. Your belief that you have money blocks is a block. And what's so funny is I never even knew of the idea of money blocks, money manifesting, money mindset until I started following these people on Instagram, listening to their podcast or in their newsletters or whatever. And then through their marketing, I believed that I had some money blocks and maybe on some level I did. And I do think I did, but I was using their language and then saying, oh my gosh, I have all these things and then I need to buy their product. I mean, it's brilliant marketing, (laughs) maybe a little sleazy, but it's definitely brilliant marketing. 
And I think the other thing that's really tricky with money, and especially as women, we are trained to value ourselves based on our age, our appearance, our body size, and also money. And money is one of the few things that we are taught to value ourselves on that actually has a number. So I think that if you do struggle with asking for more money or negotiating, if you have traditional employment or charging more, if you run your own business, it's less about a money block specifically. And I think more about your overall self-worth, which is something that a really great therapist can help you with as opposed to someone who's teaching you money manifesting on the internet. But that's just my opinion. Now, listen, you can feel deeply uncomfortable logging into your bank account and looking at the numbers. You can feel very unsure of yourself or unsteady if you're thinking about, okay, I know I need a 401k. Should I put more money into it or should I get a Roth? But I don't necessarily think that's money mindset. I think that's just really a lack of knowledge and understanding the tools and the skills that you need. And that's okay. A lot of people are like that and feel like that because there is a lack of personal finance education in our school system. And this we already know, but you're listening to this podcast, which tells me on some level, you are already beginning to learn and fill that knowledge gap, which is great. And I think that's going to help you feel so much different the next time you log into your 401k account or think about opening up a Roth or a 529 or whatever the thing is. So rather than fret that you have all these money blocks or your money mindset is horrible or whatever. So listen, if you feel like it's more of a knowledge gap, like you just don't really know, are you saving enough for retirement or how can you set a budget that will work for you? Then I don't necessarily think mindset work is going to help you. It might just be learning more about personal finance, whether that's through listening to this podcast or another podcast or reading a book or whatever it is. No amount of mindset work is going to automatically up your percentage allocation to your 401k, right? At some point, you just got to call your HR and fill out the forms. You know what I mean? But instead, let's say that you haven't asked for a raise in years. And the thought of asking for a raise literally just makes you want to barf all over yourself. Or perhaps you have a really hard time talking about money with your partner or a potential partner. And you just feel like you emotionally, mentally fall apart. Just even the mere thought of any of those kinds of conversations. Or let's say you have some really poor money boundaries with a friend or a relative or whoever. And if they ask for money, you always just give it even if you don't want to or don't have the money to give them, etc. If you can relate to like any of those kinds of situations, and obviously that is by far no means the only kinds of situations that would be possible. I do think that working on some money mindset, your relationship to money, et cetera, would be super helpful. So I'm going to give you two steps to take to kind of check yourself to see where you are with your money mindset. Number one, and I love this exercise. This is actually an exercise I did in Money Bootcamp, but this exercise is not unique to Denise Duffield Thomas. I have seen this in many other programs, books, 
all sorts of stuff about money mindset and not just money mindset, but anything around relationships or relationships to your body or food, etc. And that is to write down your earliest money memories and or things that were constantly said or not said about money growing up. Sometimes things that are not said are just as loud as the things that are said. So was it inappropriate to talk about money? Was money this taboo topic in your home? Maybe if you had friends at school who did have a lot of money, did your parents always judge their parents? Did your parents always say things like, money doesn't grow up on trees, or what do you think I am, made of money, or who do you think you are to ask that, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There are countless possible memories or things that were said about money. And I would encourage you to write a list of at least 20 memories or 20 things that were said about money growing up. And look, if it was easy for you to get to 20, then push yourself to get to 25. If it was easy to get 25, push yourself to get to 30 and so on. The idea is that you really want to look at here are some of the foundational beliefs about money that were instilled in me. Now, you didn't ask for these things. These are the cards that you were dealt by your family when it comes to money. And then what I want you to do is I want you to look at this list of money memories and just notice if you repeat any of them the same way. So for example, maybe your mother was very conscientious with her spending and she never spent money on any frivolous things. And so now as an adult, you might do the same. You don't want to spend your money on lattes or sushi or whatever just seems to be a little frivolous, regardless of whether or not you have the money. And that's really the key when it comes to this. Your mom might not have spent money on frivolous things when you were growing up, maybe because she had her own stuff around money and thought it was wrong or bad, or maybe she really didn't have the money to do it. But either way, you're repeating that pattern as an adult, and maybe you don't really have the money to spend on frivolous things, even $5 worth. And that's definitely a reality for many people. But maybe you actually do, but you still have this belief that it's wrong or bad or, again, frivolous to spend money on lattes or sushi or, again, whatever that thing is for you. Now, you're not going to necessarily be repeating all of the beliefs or the patterns that your parents who have raised you had, but I do think it's helpful to see what has still stuck around. And just because something has stuck around does not mean it's a bad thing. I picked up some not so great money beliefs from my parents, but one thing that I did pick up is that it's important to pay yourself first. That is one thing that my mom said for as long as I can remember. And what she meant is put money into savings first and then figure out your expenses rather than save what's left over. Because if you do that, then you're not going to have any money to save. But if you pay yourself first, then you'll figure out a way to make the rest work. And I think this is great advice. And it's something that has stuck with me. So just because it's come from your parents does not mean it's bad. (laughs) I promise. So I want you to start piecing together the beliefs and the things that you saw and experienced and got instilled in you growing up around money. What do you still do? And again, there might be some patterns you actually want to hold on to or some beliefs that have been useful and beneficial to you. And then what do you want to let go of? What is no longer serving you? So even though, for example, my mother taught me to pay myself first, which again is something that I've always done and has stuck with me throughout my life. One thing that I'm 
wanting to let go of is just this belief that it's never enough. No matter how much money I have in the bank, I'm just one step away from being on the street. That wasn't literally her belief, but that was sometimes the feeling that I got. And that's something that is just not serving me anymore. The next step is to ask yourself, what do you need to do to overcome that pattern? Now, this, of course, can be a number of things, but I'm going to give you some ideas. One, if you experienced financial trauma, and financial trauma is definitely a thing. I had a financial therapist on the podcast last year, right before the holidays. So if you have not listened to the episode, I will put that link in the show notes, but I highly, highly recommend you listen to that if you have or think you have experienced financial trauma. If you've experienced financial trauma, I highly recommend you work with a therapist. If you can find a financial therapist, that's even better. So just some quick examples of financial trauma. If you experienced any period of being without shelter growing up, if you are food insecure, if you are in a relationship where money was used against you or withheld from you, all of those kinds of things are going to be considered financial trauma. Of course, that list is not exhaustive, but any kind of trauma you've had around money, definitely I would go the therapy route as opposed to the money mindset or money coach work because you probably want to work with someone who has a little bit more training in that to overcome that trauma. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So part of step two, what do you need to do to overcome that pattern? Therapy might be the right fit. Another thing that you might need to do is to fill in that knowledge gap. So perhaps you've identified that you feel uncomfortable negotiating or asking for a raise from your boss. And yeah, maybe there is some old stuff from your family, but you wouldn't really call it financial trauma, but you definitely feel uncomfortable. There might just be a knowledge gap there where learning how to negotiate better or ask for a raise, and there's tons of great resources, both paid and free on the internet, where you can do a lot to fill in that knowledge gap, where you then might be like, oh, yeah, I just needed to know how to start the conversation. But now I got the conversation starter, then I can go into my boss's office and ask for more money. Sometimes that might be all it takes. And then the final thing that I think you might need to look at to overcome the pattern is is a situation that you're in working for you. And here's what I mean. And I'm going to talk about this more on the podcast, probably later this year. I'm not exactly sure when. 
But I've talked a lot before that I have struggled with the scarcity mindset and that no matter what I had, it was never, or at least it felt like never enough, even though it's always been enough and I've always been in a very financially secure situation. I still had that like, oh, it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough. And what I realized is only relying on my business was not working for my mental health. And that's part of the reason why I decided to go back to grad school to get my master's in accounting. One, I realized I'm a nerd and I really like accounting. (laughs) But two is that I just needed to add another skill set for me so that I could give myself better financial security. What I realized is that this scarcity mindset was always just going to be a thing so long as I was responsible for my own quote unquote paychecks. And there were times where that worked out great, but then there were times where that was just really not good for my mental health. And so I made the decision that that was not going to work for me long term, especially having young kids. I just wanted a little bit more financial security that having the credentials of a CPA could offer, whether that was through more services I could offer through my business or having either seasonal jobs or a full-time job as a CPA. And so that's one of the big reasons why I decided to go back to school. Okay, so to recap what to do for your money mindset is one, write down your earliest money memories and or the things that were said or not said about money. Notice if there's any patterns and if you're still repeating any of those patterns. Now, just because you're repeating a pattern does not mean it's a bad thing. Ask yourself, is the pattern that you're repeating helpful for you? Sometimes they might be and sometimes they may not be. So for the patterns that you want to break, then you need to ask yourself, what do you need to do to overcome that pattern? And the three options I gave as potentials are, do you need to go the therapy route Do you need to close a knowledge gap? Like, do you actually need to learn how to negotiate? Do you need to get an additional credential or skill on your resume to ask for more? Do you need to improve your skills so that you can then charge more in your business? Do you need to just learn how to set up a Roth and build a portfolio? What is the knowledge gap? And will closing that knowledge gap give you enough of a confidence boost to get you over that hump, so to speak? And then the third potential is, is the situation that you're in working for you? Now, I gave the example of relying on my business for my sole source of income. That was not working for my mental health anymore. Obviously, that's very specific. But for you, your situation might be totally different. Maybe you are in a relationship where you're not the breadwinner or you are the breadwinner or you don't make any money in the relationship and you rely completely on your partner. Or maybe you're in a situation where you make a ton of money, but it's totally soul sucking or you don't make a lot of money and it's soul sucking, whatever it is. The situation might be feeding some of the imbalances or quote unquote money mindset issues that you're facing where it's not really the mindset that's the issue, but it's just the situation that's not working for you. Okay. 
All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know. I really want to hear from you now because now that I'm on Substack, you can just leave a reply on the newsletter that announced this podcast episode. And then, of course, if you decide to be a paid member of Substack, thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot and goes a long way to support the show and keep it going. Either way, I'm so grateful that you're here. I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. And tell me, where do you think you are in your mindset? Like, is it really your mindset? Or is it the situation? Or is it some financial trauma that you've experienced? Or is it simply a knowledge gap? That's all for this week's episode of the Run Your Money Show. And I will see you next week. And remember to connect with me throughout the week. I'm over on TikTok at Veronica E. Grant and Instagram at Veronica E. Grant as well. Send me a DM or leave a comment on any of my videos. I would love for you to say hi and to tell me what you love about this show and also what questions you have or what you want me to do future episodes on. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Your Money Show. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a new episode. And hey, before you leave, can you do me a quick favor? Please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. It takes just a few seconds for you and it helps me enormously to get the show out in front of more women just like you. Thank you so much. You can find show notes, transcripts, free resources, and info on how to work with me at veronicagrant.com. See you next episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.